Welcome to the Boardman Podcast, everybody. Today we have Eddie Hall, world's strongest man, 2017. Hey guys, how are we doing? Uh, and the rest, good, more, more years. Five hundred, five hundred kilogram. Somebody's just matched it, right? But five hundred kilogram deadlift. Yeah, five hundred kilo. Still the world record in competition, heaviest weight ever lifted by a human being in the strongman format. Off the ground. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah How much it, did you weigh at that point? Um, actually, a little less than I was at my prime. It was 100 186 kilos when I lifted the 500. That was 2016, right. I think. Right. And what are you now? Um, about 160. Okay. Yeah. So a bigger guy. Bigger guy, but in my prime, 100. I was 196 kilos. So uh, English terms, just under 32 stone. American terms, 430 pounds. He's a big lad. And I've seen a bit of your Nando's order, so I got a bit of a feel for what you <laughs> eat, man. Yeah. I know he ordered, Alfie said, uh, is that, is that, that's not the share, is it? He's like, no. <laughs> that's not the share. So yeah, the, yeah, the boneless platter for four. He's like, oh, is that for everyone? No, that's just for me. It's just for me, mate. We'd have to have an eating thing. We, we, we eat a lot, actually, for, for, for definitely smaller guys. We, 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 we can throw it down, can't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're pretty bad. James will go to a restaurant, three, yeah. Three meals. Yeah. We, I've been in Malta with him. He's ordered two starters, three mains, and two desserts, and yeah. he's done it, and I'm like... Nice. I just feel better. The more I eat, the better. You must be, I mean, preaching to choir here, but yeah. you, you must feel... <laughs> I just feel better. If I, if I try and diet and eat less, I just don't feel good. I don't feel... No, I think that's the opposite. I think when you get into a good diet, you feel good. I don't know what, what, what do you think on that. I think I think there's there's like a very unhealthy relationship with food these days. Yeah, and it's like you're either on an extreme diet or you're on you eat what you want. I'm on the eat what you want diet. You know, just very relaxed. Obviously, just just be mindful, isn't it? You know, uh, just keep the fats down, keep the carbs down, more proteins, and obviously the, it's the volume into it. You know, I think. Um, like you just said, it's what what you're saying. Two two free starters, two mains, and dessert. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd smash that now. Yeah, quite easily. Yeah. I think it's on when the Nando's arrives. By the way, it's, uh, uh, it's oh, going look. down. Uh, <laughs> we'll feel that. Seafood diet. Yeah. Do you think like timing or anything has has to do with like eating? Because I used, I used to think right, you can't eat at night and this and that, and you shouldn't eat at this time. But I I always intimate fast now in the day, so I won't eat anything before like before we eat twelve one o'clock. Have a black coffee, and I always I always feel like that works. But do you think there's anything to do with like the timings. I believe so, yeah. yeah. I believe there is. I mean, I always time, tend to have a lot of carbs before a training session. Right. I know it's going to be used for the session, so you're going to get the most out of your body. And then at night time, I try, try and have my meals a bit earlier now. I used to have my meals at like 9, 10 o'clock, and I'd go to sleep on a full stomach. And that was obviously a, like for a reason. You know, I want to put weight on and bulk up. Now I try and eat sort of half six, seven, maybe half seven. Right. And then when I'm getting the cravings later on in the evenings, I'm thinking of foods that are going to help you digest and help you sleep. So I'm like lots of nuts and fruits and like prebiotic yogurts and stuff. So right. uh, those sort of foods are going to help, you know, sort of calm your system down and help you drift off to sleep. So. And you said you, you eat what you want. Is that because you feel like everything you've done you deserve it because I'm I, like if I do something where I'm like right okay I deserve it as soon as I finish prize fight I was like right just put on the weight straight away <laughs> do you feel like it's like do you, do you think it's the fact that you want to you enjoy it deserve it or is it tuned into like I'm still training I'm still health, like I'm still thinking about health I think yeah I'm still thinking about health yeah. I'm very tuned in with it it is um I say I've had a very very unhealthy relationship with food when I was a strong man where I was doing 12 and a half 15,000 calories a day you know, when I was eating like full English breakfast, massive bowls of porridge, 
humongous plates of like half a kilo of pasta, half a kilo of steak, chicken. Uh, I'd have a, like a full family cheesecake for dessert after after my lunch and after my dinner. Yeah, like pints of ice cream in between meals. Yeah, how would you digest that? Exactly. Yes. I still to this day have no fucking clue. Well, do you know what? I, and I'd say it very openly. I can see that you're now. You look a lot. You know, you look a lot healthier. Oh god, yeah. Like yeah. so much. You know, you were massive, you but look- you could see. You were, you know, you were really, yeah. really big. Now oh, you just look big and healthy, you know? <laughs> Strongman's gone through like these these loads of different eras and, and sort of shapes and sizes of strongman. They tend, you know, and back in the olden days used to suit the, the more athletic type, like the Jeff Capes. Right. And then it moved into like the, the real sort of fitness endurance guys like Marius Podnoski's. And then it went really heavy. And that's when the Giants really, I think that the best era was sort of like 2010 to 2018 where the Giants came out, like the Brian Shaws and the half Orbe Johnsons, you mm. know, these six foot eight, six foot nine guys that weigh 450 pounds. Yeah. And to, and to be that size, you've got to basically eat like yeah. an absolute fucking monster. To have that structure yeah. from the get-go. Because yeah. you're relatively quite small compared to the other strongmen in be- terms of height. People are always surprised when they meet me because they're actually like, fucking hell, you're taller than I thought. Yeah. It's because I'm standing next to seven foot giants. Right. Everyone thinks I'm five foot ten. How tall are you? Six, six, two and a half. Okay, okay so yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just relatively tall for a yeah. normal person. But yeah. Everyone I meet's like, wow, you're a lot taller than I thought. I thought you were really short. Mate, look, no, 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 no. When we met Tyson Fury, like I'm six two, six three, and you're yeah. just like there. Oh, yeah. When you meet someone that's taller, yeah. it just makes you look. You makes you look. Nine, I was literally like this, yeah. like face to face yeah. with him. It was huge, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. What? Um, I, I just very quickly on that. Then is that is that a little bit of a weird topic to discuss? That like actually now strong men are getting bigger, or they they're giants, but maybe a bit more unhealthier than it than I, it is because of this because of what you've got to put yourself through the extreme yeah. eating the extreme. Well, it's it, it's sort of splitting ways down the minute. It was getting to that point where you had to be 450 pounds to win the world's strongest man. Right. Because of the events they were putting in, they were just getting so strong and static. Like the bus pulls and plane pulls they were putting in, there's no way a 100 kilo guy is going to beat a 200 kilo guy. Right. Simple, simple maths. It's not possible. Just science, yeah. Yeah. And now it's, it's sort of going divided where they're bringing events back in where it's suiting more athletic people and the lighter guys. And you've, I think in 2020, Alexei Novikov won it and he was only, I'm sure it was like, it was less than 130 kilos. Right. And he won the world's strongest man. And you've got guys that are like 170, 180, 190. And they're coming second and That's third. good then because there's, there's more of a, you know, instead of just being the out, outright biggest and strongest, you've got to have endurance, you've got to have stamina, yes. you've probably got to have a bit of, you know, the, the yeah. technique, the skill. There's, there's probably a bunch of things. So that's, that's it. Okay, that's good too. Swings both ways. But the last two years, 180 odd kilo blokes won it. So right, okay. Who's <laughs> six foot nine. So, yeah. And you do know. you still follow it? Like, do you, obviously, you know, I think you're so interested in so many other ways, but obviously, you know, it's, it's hard not to talk about the strong side because you are yeah. you know you've, you're the best of, uh, <laughs> at it like do you still follow it and love it or is it kind of like okay that part of my life's done now now i'm thinking about other things or, or I, yeah it's a good question um i do still follow it and i have a massive interest in it you know i, I still present at world strongest man i think since the euro one i presented world strongest man to the uk on channel five and america on cbs so i'm still heavily involved in that way right always making appearance at the Giants live shows. But in terms of like competing, I'm just completely done. Yeah. Like, yeah. just done with it. It was so 
mentally and physically draining on me that that 10 years of like head down focus on that goal when I won it was like it was like a massive relief like somebody lifted half a ton off my back I just deflated yeah, yeah. and my head just like everything in my life just got so much more relaxed after that moment yeah. it was uh, it's a lot of stress and strain and I think that's what I don't miss is the pressure I love pressure but when it's over huge huge periods of time, that yeah. pressure is is not enjoyable. That pressure that came off you then, did you not want to retain the title for the for the next year after? No, I I mean I thought I thought about it long and hard and you know, I always said I want to be the world's strongest man or I'll die trying. And when I won the title, I made the promise to myself, I made the promise to the family that that was it, I'm gonna win it and walk away and, and ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Not be one of these idiots that keeps coming back and then comes second, third, fourth, second again, third. Yeah. Because you're only remembered for your last performance. And that's the truth. Yeah. So go out on the top. Yeah. Go out the best. Sure, and leave yeah. it at that. Unless it was going to go for six titles, which would be the record. I think Marius Podnoski's got five, five, five titles. So unless you're going for six, what's the point? Yeah. So for me, it was like, I'm either going for one or six. Yeah. And I, I'm just afraid that six wasn't capable. For me, I, I, I would have killed myself. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind I would have killed myself. What I read as well and what I watched and listened to about what you went through after doing some of those lifts, you know, like forgetting stuff for a few weeks, like, you know, your wife's name and that. That's so intense. I don't think anyone has an insight into really understanding like what you've got to go through because it's like a superhuman strength, right? Yeah. Half a ton off the floor like that, you know. I mean, you are incredibly big, but you're still flesh and bone like mm. a human, right? Yeah. Not an expendable. <laughs> but to do that and to hear like what you go through and to see you passing out, doing a thousand, like for that to go from your muscles to your brain to that level is, is uh, it was really hard to understand how, you know, to endure, what, what that's like to endure. Yeah. yeah. I think like people can't comprehend how, how how big of a feat of strength that was, the 500 kilo. I, yeah. I'd encourage any one of you guys or anyone listening to go to the gym and put 500 kilos on a bar in a rack <laughs> and just lift it half an inch. Because I can guarantee you won't fucking do it. No, no, no way. And to pick it up from the floor is a different thing. Maybe 200 for a strong, normal, strong guy. Exactly. Maybe a tiny bit yeah. move. It feel the, the bar will bend a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, an average an average Joe guy would probably struggle to lift 200 kilos. Yeah. One inch. I, I remember watching like the 450s and 485s you were doing and just like holding it up then. And that was like a big thing then. Like all the yeah. guys around screaming like 450, 485. This was crazy. And like, you see some weird reactions. I saw some of the guys in the running up to, to before you were doing it and they do 476. And the way that they would fall on the floor, it's kind of, you don't know what's happening. Then one yeah. knee goes, another knee, and then they're completely yeah. like, something's gone, something's yeah. burst. I mean, to, to watch you do that is, is such a feat. I mean, it's unbelievable. It was, um, it was a milestone. It was like a Roger Bannister moment in Strongman. Because everyone back in the day said the four-minute mile. Yeah. was never possible. People laughed at Roger Bannister saying you can run a, run a mile in less than four minutes. Yeah. And you watch the video of Roger Bannister do it and he collapses. Yeah. Like He pushed the boundaries to the absolute brink. And then I think within, I'm going to say two years, I think 16 other people did it. Yeah. The impossible. Yeah. And 16 people did it. Yeah. And then it was just that opening up that, the, the doors, the barriers to what's, paving the way. What's yeah. achievable, yeah, yeah. Paving the way. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of, because you got to envision, it wasn't just the, the weight that I was up against, it was all the negativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I announced I was going to pull 500 kilo, the strongman promoters laughed at me. The people running Will Strongest Man laughed at me. Right. The, the other strongmen laughed at me. 
99.9% of the fan base laughed at me. And they all said, it's impossible. It's not going to be fucking done. You're a dickhead. You are deluded. I can, I can show you all the comments. Yeah. Got, got a list on. We had, when we had mine on, he was very honest, Martin C. And he said, look, Eddie used to go around saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And everyone was just like, yeah. I don't know if you're on me. And it, you know, in a very, very different field, <laughs> I can relate to that because I spent so long trying to bash the door down, read yeah, this, read that, please, please, please. And everyone's like, you know, go away, go away. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to achieve it. You know, disappear kind of thing. But, but going up against that neg negativity just fuels you. It was, it was insane. It, it, well, it did fuel me, but it was infuriating. Yeah. And it was, yeah. a lot of people would have folded at that, mm -hmm. you know, because that creates a lot of pressure where, where you, you're sort of saying something out loud and then you, if you don't achieve it, you, you are the dickhead. Mm -hmm. You are the deluded idiot. So it put a lot of pressure on me and that that's what I'm most proud of is I did it under like the most, almost extreme circumstances in that respect where it was deemed the impossible. The world record deadlift went up one or two kilos a year for 20 years in a row. Wow. Uh, so, you know, yeah. people breaking like four, four, 18, four, 19, four, 20, it just kept creeping up. Then you yeah. made that jump. And it, <laughs> yeah, and everyone like, the, people said a thousand pounds 455 kilo was impossible. And then Andy Bolton came and did it. Yeah. And then when I announced it, the world record at the time was 463 kilos. So I announced I was going to do a 37 kilo jump on the deadlift. Yeah. And when you say that out loud, it's like, it's like Usain Bolt saying he's going to knock a second 0.6 yeah. seconds off the 100 meter sprint. Right. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, no chance. Yeah. And, that's why I got so much negativity. Around. You must have, you must have actually completed the 500 k kg like deadlift before you actually did it no. on stage. No. Oh, you didn't? no, no, no. Okay, no. okay. no so, so it was just training up until. Yeah. That point. So th this was. Um, this was belief in it. Yeah, it was just so just, much belief. The most I ever did, incredible. the most I ever did in the gym was 450 kilos, and yeah. that, and I just got in my head that if I can do a speed rep with 10% less than, than my max, which would have been 500, yeah. then I know I can do it. So I think it was like two, three weeks out, I put 450 on the bar and I stood up with the weight quicker than I can stand up, up out of this chair. Oh, and wow. that's when I knew it was going to happen. Okay, yeah. nice. So, and there was also a lot of, I did a lot of um, work with psychologists and hypnotherapists. And it was a scientist that actually sat me down once and was just like, Ed, you, you're not going to be able to lift this. It was like, I was like, fuck off, another naysayer. I can't be arsed with this shit. He's like, no, 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 let me explain. So he sort of broke it down for me how, how like the fight or flight scenario can kick in with the human, human race. And you can do these phenomenal feats of strength. And people have done these amazing things when they're under, under this flight, fight or flight scenario. Mum's lifting cars up. Mum's lifting cars yeah. for the kids in car accidents. Yeah. It's happened. You know, yeah. People have witnessed it. And he basically said, he laid it down for me that a day-to-day -day human that takes the kids to school, does the shopping, goes to work, they probably have access to about 50, maybe 60% of their muscle fibers at most. Right. Someone who trains on a daily basis, who's like really in touch with the body and, you know, real, like an athlete, they're probably, you're probably talking 60 to 75% of the muscle fibers they can access. He said that it's that 25% that people can't get a hold of. And the only way to access it is a massive dump of adrenaline. Right. There's no other way. So that's when I turned to a hypnotherapist and we had to go through this scenario of lifting a car off of my kids was probably the best way to describe it. It was a lot worse than that. But we put the scenario in my head and we put a trigger point 
So just before I went out to do the lift, I put a trigger point in it, put me in this frame of mind. And the bar wasn't a, a, a bar with 500 kilos on. It was, in essence, a car and the floor had my kids on it. So that, that was the kind of shit I had to sort of wow. mentally prep for over wow. and over wow. for months to get it right. That's amazing. I've got a few questions on that. Okay, so if, if for the last sort of 10 years people have been increasing the deadlift by one or two K, do you th- I know it's hard to answer, but do you think in 100, 200 years they'll be doing t- another 200, like 700 kilograms? Mm. I mean, I'm not going to be that idiot that's going to say no because people said I couldn't do 500. People said it was impossible. So I believe there is going to be someone born that's going to be an absolute freaking nature, right. like Andre the Giant. Someone yeah. like that's yeah. just going to come along and just be a, a, a fucking astounding freak with freakish strength and freakish height and freakish levers that, yeah. that could potentially pull over 500, 550, 600. But the average won't go up where there's 20 people trailing you, 10 or 20% lower. And the average, because <coughs> there's so much stuff with this genetic programming, oh, yeah. everybody's getting so much more with food, understanding so much more about, you know, protein, carbs, macros. Do you think in like sort of 200 years that's possible? Like, or, or, or do you think because it's such a small amount, every year then we've reached our max no i i believe that the human race is is has a habit of pushing the boundaries more than they should right. and i think that gene doping will come in soon i think the technology is there for right. them to actually change people's dna right um i did a, a dna test a very in-depth one and i it turns out i've got quite a rare gene called the mstn Right. So yeah, you were diagnosed with this in 2018. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's basically, have you ever seen the big Belgian blue cows? No, what's that? Massive cows with muscles. With muscles. muscles. Oh yeah, muscles. yeah, yeah, yeah. They've just got no limits yeah. to how much muscle they've got. They can just keep keep. Yeah. So they've got uh, the MSTN gene, which basically they've got no limit to how much muscle they can put on their frame. And I have the type two gene, so I can put on a lot more muscle mass than someone without this gene. Right. And they call it the Hercules gene. It's quite rare, but it's not as rare as you'd think. So I think it's like every, I'm sure it's like every three in a hundred people have it. Right. But they don't know they've had it. Right. So, but you might see a guy walking around, doesn't train, doesn't do any weights, quite big, quite stocked, you know, big yeah. arms, big legs. He might have the gene. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's it's just like... If they give us a link to that, it'd be interesting to, be interesting to find yeah. out what... If you look at chimps, when they shave their hair off and, and gorillas, they reckon they could press like, you know, a couple of tons because they're just all muscular. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're so... And bear, black grizzly bears, they're so strong. And but, uh, there's been... there's been, I've seen studies where they've not gone into it, but they can mix that gene yeah. with human genes oh, wow. and yeah. create some, some kind of hybrid human... Yeah. That could lift. I need some of that. Because Luke used to take pig hormones. Well, and I remember him telling me about it. And I thought, oh, what used about to take pig what? Pig hormones. Pig hormones. Yeah. yeah. Pig. Yeah. Pig. Yeah. Oh, right. When he was boxing. Anyway. So what, what, <laughs> what, what, what would that do? On um, <laughs> almost like a pig, I guess. Like, <laughs> you have like lots of pig hands. It's just really interesting stuff there. The other thing is, um, <laughs> you know, when you said you like, I won't go into it, obviously, because, you know, it's very personal. But you said you thought about, like, for example, lifting the kids off your car. That's very Stanislavski, very like, you know, when the acting method where it's like, okay, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of this person to get this emotion, you know, in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. So to go there, because when we spoke to Rebecca Roberts, we had a really lovely chat with her. And basically she said, when she goes on to to lift something, she's completely relaxed because she wants to save all that energy. Mm -hmm. And the second it's there, then she, she has that animal strength. Yeah. But what you're you're doing something different. You're completely psyching yourself up. You're getting your parasympathetic nervous system up. Yeah. So you're ready at that time just to go. 
Yeah, but he's that, putting the science to it as well. It's not just it's not yeah. just going in and going. I'm strong. I'm lifting weights. It's like an reprogramming your emo. Yeah, your emotions. There's, there's different aspects to it. I mean, that was an all out max lift. Nothing else mattered for that day. So, let's say I had to do an event after the dead deadlift, I'd have been fucked. So, right. There's different. Yeah, if if it, if I was doing the full show, I wouldn't have done that. I want to come up come up to it a lot more relaxed, yeah. and a lot more placid, and perhaps done. Let's say ten percent less, probably four fifty. Done my lift and then carried on for the next event. Yeah. But because it was just, I knew it was the World Deadlift Championships first event of the show. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going all out for this." So that the, there are two ways to to go. World strongest man, I'm completely chill. Right. You what know, made you realize you had to do that other like that other sort of training rather than just going? Do you know what? I'm strong. I'm going to go for it. If I get it, I mean, I, yeah. I understand it because I know I know what you got. I know what it takes to prove people wrong. And, you, and all that negativity, you know, you responded in, in the perfect way. Most people would just go, you know, they'll, they'll quit or they'll yeah, go yeah. away. But some people, there's a very small percentage of people that will, will feel that negativity and all they're doing is like, you know, hope you don't mind me saying, but that negativity, you know, is the best thing that could have happened because that yeah, made yeah. you fucking, you know, that made you Break the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I can't remember what I asked you. Yeah, what was the question? <laughs> what, what made him sort of... You yeah, what made you want to go to that emotion? What made you think, I need to do something more and I need to bring in another psychological technique or, or emotional, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, emotional technique? So, so, I mean, I set the target in 2015 at the World Deadlift Champs the year before and I did it because I believed it was possible. I also did it because I needed the money back then. Well, I'll be hands up brutally honest. It was something I needed to progress my strongman career because strongman is, is such an expensive sport. You know, you've got to eat, you're eating that huge amounts of food and organic foods and, you know, lots of red meat. It's expensive. I was spending 250, 300 pounds a week just on my food. And that's just for me. I'm not yeah. talking wife and kids. That's just for me. And that was, you know, that was, that was hard back then. That was, that was like, people barely earned that in the week from my day job, you know? I was spending all my money on food and then the mortgage, then the bills, then the... What was your day job, if you don't mind me asking? I was a mechanic. Oh, right, okay. So, for me, it was like, I need, I need to be financially secure to be the world's strongest man. I don't want to be pig-headed, but you've got to be rich to be the world's strongest man. Or not rich, but you've got to be... You've got to have some finances there to fuel the food, the, the resources, the recovery, the gym memberships. The, there's so many aspects. And then also you've got, to, you've got to have the free time. You know, you can't work, you can't train and work. So it freed up that. Well, that deadlift was a way of freeing up that. And how I, how I did it, I mean, on the journey, I, obviously I started to train for it. And then I quickly, you know, probably three or four months in, I was like, fuck, what have I done here? I've sort of set myself up to fail. And that's when I met the scientist and the scientist right. laid it all down. and was like, right, this is how I'm going to attack this. Okay, very interesting. That's so cool. Eddie, you said earlier on, like, if you don't mind me saying, you said, uh, I mean, I'll say it as well, probably nothing like yours, but, you know, sometimes you can have a temper, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can't imagine anyone going up against you if you got into a temper, right? Apart from Thor. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we watched the fight. You have a temper. We were well, so excited. <laughs> Not like this, man. So we, we were so excited to watch it and see and see the fight. Are you going to have another fight? And, and, and what did you do for the training for that? Um, I think another fight on the cars, I don't think it'll happen. Okay. I don't, Thor doesn't want it. I yeah. know that for a fact. Um, and to be all honest, like I've moved on. I've just completely moved on with that, that, that side of things. The, the fight itself was, the prep for that was fucking horrendous yeah. for me. Absolutely horrendous. It was just the setbacks that I had. Um, 
probably taking you out of your comfort zone. Oh, massively. I, I went from training, you know, to be this huge 32-stone 30, man to being able to, right, you've got to box six three-minute rounds. And it was just like, fuck. And that was tough, like doing the runs and the swims and yeah. all, the, all the cardio in the gym and the hit sessions. It was fucking horrendous. Yeah. The, the real task I found was all the injuries that I got. That, saw this one. Wow. that was horrendous. Like, yeah. um, I mean, along the way, I had COVID twice on, on that journey. Um, the, the last time I had COVID was the week before the fight. So I was fucked for that. And then people don't compute this still, but I had to fight for with one arm. Yeah. And, and people don't really grasp that. They, you know, they take the piss, you can't box and you're scared. Why, why is that? Because I, I noticed so I in the fight. It. Did you saw his bicep? No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. He was, so he was spa, if don't mind speaking for you, he was sparring with this guy and he's come round to like done a long extended hook. Right. Yeah. And he tore his bicep. I didn't yeah. know that. Do you know? Was, yeah. and I, I mean, I, I watched the fight and I know yeah. you were fighting one arm. And, and I was thinking, why is he only fighting one arm? Hooks at each so time. I, you I just threw a long hook and the bicep just rolled up and that was in training. And then... I think it was six and a half months later, they rescheduled the fight. So you ask anyone that's had a bicep reattachment, you yeah. cannot use that arm yeah. for a good year. Yeah. Like, Ali's wife said she did the surgery on, on Eddie. Say again? Ali's wife. Danny. We were in Turkey. Oh, right. And, so. and a guy called Ali, he's uh, said, my wife did the surgery. Oh, right. Yeah. So she can tell you all the shit I was saying she during the surgery. The private thing. Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I didn't reattach and the surgeon's like, right, you can't, like I've got a boxing match. It's been rescheduled for like six months, and he's like, "So like, I'm telling you now, you cannot throw a hard impact punch with that for twelve months." Yeah, and I was shit. just like, yeah. "Fuck!" Like it was such an uphill battle for me. Yeah, I mean sparring. I like I for the first three months, I, I couldn't even use it. You know, subconsciously, you're subconsciously, I couldn't yeah, you're use protecting it. Protecting the arm. Yeah. I also had to switch stance because I thought. Right-handed oh, for 18 months, <laughs> blew my bicep off, and then I had to fight Southport. Yeah. Oh wow! So I had to switch my stance, which is horrible. If yeah. you ever, if you're a boxer, that's a horrible thing to do. It's crazy the boxing injuries. I, you know, it, you can go. I, I used to do loads of weights for ages and be fine. I, I used to walk around and be like, yeah, I've never get injuries in weights. And then you start boxing, oh, yeah. and you throw mid-air, take yeah, nothing, jaw, yeah, and, you, yeah. and your arms, yeah, but, yeah, but could, God. Because you're, Eddie's a strong man. Everyone knows you're a strong man. Most people who don't box would just think, oh, yeah, you're going to be a boxer and that comes naturally. Yeah. But to get in the ring, I, I take my hat off because you weren't just getting into the ring with a normal guy either. You get into a ring with a fucking yeah. biking giant. I mean, I, I, I played it up. You know, the bravado before the fight, I fucking played it yeah, up. Yeah, it was brilliant. I had, it was to, brilliant I, had to, yeah. I had to sell it. It was entertaining. Well, we saw a bit of his temper there. You got I gave proper aggressive shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, right? And I was... You in know, all honesty, not. and this is the truth, is I wanted that fucker on the street. Yeah, yeah. I did. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, where, that's where I knew I'd get him. Yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. him on the street. It's so different as well. It is yeah. different. Yeah, I so wanted different. that fucker to like lash out. Yeah. I was trying my best. and yeah. uh, There was one time where his cheeks were shaking. You, you didn't get him for ages, and then I just saw him, and he's going... But his, his cheeks were shaking. <laughs> and I think you even like, you were like, yeah, yeah, okay, I've got him now. Yeah, you, you, you really riled yeah. him up. That's where I wanted him. I wanted yeah. him on the street. Yeah. I didn't really care about the fight. I didn't yeah. care about the money. Yeah. I didn't care about the PR. Right. I just wanted to smack this fucker in the chin. Yeah. I, that's, I, didn't, <laughs> I love that's what, that. So I was trying to draw him out on the street. Uh, but yeah, the lead, up, the lead up to the fight was was just fucking horrendous. And, and I say, going up against a six foot nine... 24 stone guy yeah. with one arm yeah yeah, yeah after yeah. switching stances you know, yeah. six months prior people don't yeah. realize that in boxing world hard. You, you don't realize the advantage you have by being taller it's, no, it's, it's, it's insane huge. Yeah, it's you don't huge. even have to be a good boxer just yeah, the reach, the reach. If, you, if you're taller and you just and you just and you do this yeah. there's no way someone oh, yeah. there that's 
six two to six nine, it's going to be and just. But you've you got to really found that out. Yeah, two yeah. rounds yeah. in, three rounds. Yeah. Of course, you yeah. still caught him with almost every right. I'll be brutally honest, right? I genuinely believed I was still going to fuck him up one arm. Yeah. Right. And that's why I, I'm, I'm not using it as an excuse. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. I walked in that ring with one arm yeah. and I still believed I was going to fucking twice. You that's had amazing. some success with that because the, every hook you were throwing literally was throwing him back. Well, the first three seconds. Knocking him back. The first three seconds, I thought you had this. it. I thought he was yeah. going to go down. You I mean, smacked yeah. me. First three back. rounds, I mean, by the, by the sort of midway point on the third round, I just started to gas. I was fucked. Yeah. And again, not making excuses. I had COVID the week before the fight. Yeah, yeah. My fitness just went through the floor. It's a different kind of thing with boxing, isn't it? Like, you, you don't, you don't realise. I mean, we do a bit and we were sparring yesterday in a park across the road. And, you know, I'm, I'm out of shape at the moment, but I'm still, I'm still ring fit because of the training I did on Prizefire. And it's so weird that the, tr the training aspect of it, you know, you see Tyson Fury, who's, you know, yeah, flabby yeah. and big. But he, when you get the ring fitness, it's so different to anything else. Oh, yeah. And you, just, you, just you can feel, run a marathon. It's a game. doesn't matter. You could be an elite swimmer. yeah. yeah. You, you could play football for a yep. 90 minute match but yeah step in that ring yep. you are fucked in, in, three minutes in most people are fucking I've had yeah. my trainer in Wales for it. He, he said to me he said Matt you don't realise how many people are coming in and say look I can run a marathon and do this he said yeah do, do three minutes in there and yeah they're fucked, fucked. Like, yeah. absolutely fucked it's just a different programme of your yeah. brain I'm surprised though about you saying you don't want it, you wouldn't want to do it again because although it sounds like you went through a, a bit of a sort of not bad experience but the build up and all the COVID and everything surely like you could just fight someone and it'd be you know wad full of money doesn't have to be Thor well, and you go right actually I mean people, did you enjoy it at all I, I think this will be the first time I'm saying this now but I, I never got paid a penny from that fight oh, fuck really not one fucking penny uh, so, do you know what is it the problem with the, the broadcasting or something like that because there was loads of fucks up there was that. lots of fucking I want to speak much yeah. but there was lots of shit but I haven't been paid a penny from that fight oh, that and fucking, that's just, for me that's, that's, for me it was just, all I wanted to do was knock Thor's jaw off. If Thor wants to have a fight in the street, I will happily do that. You've done it for free. But I am, not, I am not training up for a fight anymore because my life is just completely switched around. I spent 10 years chasing the world's strongest man. Then I spent a year doing TV shows, endorsement, being away from home for 12 months. And then the fight came around. Then I've been training from that from 7 in the morning till 12 at night. I've just not had a fucking break. Yeah. And the worst thing is, is I've neglected my wife and kids so badly. Right. so so badly and just this last sort of since the fight been spending so much more time with my wife and, uh, and son and it's been the best thing yeah, yeah. and you can see that I've seen, seen the stuff where you're saying you know, yeah, even when we spoke I'm, you just said I'm, I'm enjoying it so much it's amazing yeah. and I'm back on the content train I'm doing YouTube I'm doing Facebook and I'm earning more money doing that than I did the fight right yeah. so I'm just like why and I've been offered don't go wrong I've been offered fights big fights as well and it's big money yeah. and I'm like no yeah. Like, why? Because like, exactly. I'm earning more money yeah. doing something I love. Yeah. And is that product uh, placement or is it just the, the, the yeah, view it's, revenue? It's literally just view revenue. Okay. It's insane the, the money you can earn from YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. That's a real shame because Jay's looking for someone to fight <laughs> in his first uh, against the beast. Yeah. No, no I keep calling him out because I'm saying to him, look, if we keep doing these podcasts and we're having boxers on yeah, yeah. and we're hitting these punch bags and, and saying we're strong and all this kind of stuff, I said, someone is going to call us out. <laughs> and, I, and I keep saying to him, look, I, I, I have a little bit of, you know, Welsh sort of gypsy blood in that sense. I'm like, let's go. I'm like you, let's, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. care, I'll fight tomorrow. But those two, they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> he's, he's got it in his blood, right? His dad was 1984 heavyweight yeah, yeah, yeah. champion. And we go, we'd go and watch him. We'd go, when we were in doing a film in Malta, he would just go and ask all the pros in one at a time because he, lo he loves getting hit. Right. He loves it. 
we were a little bit more like, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going through some training. Yeah, got to learn some skills. And he just tries to beat us up every day. We had a head, we had a spy yesterday in the park. So I caught him once in the head. He stops. He's like, oh, wait there. Yeah, well, that's what gets hit in the head. I just said, is this normal? And then I went straight back. I went, all right, I feel dizzy. And then I went straight back in. And Jay got dropped. I caught him in the ribs. He fucked me in the ribs. We tell him that. Isn't it good? Your body will get stronger. Mentally, physically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's, so, I, I want to take you back to your childhood and and what it was like growing up in in, in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was like your idols at that time? How did you become? How did you realize that you were really strong? And who did you look up to uh, growing up? So, I'm the youngest of three brothers. I've got two older brothers. Um, eldest is Alex. Middle is James. And I think being the youngest brother, you are subjected to. A lot of violence, <laughs> a lot of a lot of bullying, a lot of wrestling moves, a lot of bullying. Um, so you're almost brought up ready for the world, right. and I think that was a massive blueprint for me. Is everything was a competition when I was a kid. You know, you'd be eating dinner. Who can eat it the fastest? You'd be walking to school. Who can walk to school the fastest? Same, yeah. And then it got to the point of like. Right, who's the artist? Yeah. And that was a daily thing where, you know, we'd literally fight, wanted referee, we'd fight, we'd split up, another one would fight, another one would referee. Is this with your brothers or with just... just with brothers. Kids, yeah. And then obviously it sort of manifested into schools and right. outside schools. And don't get me wrong, I mean, my mum and dad were... were, were I, can't, I can't say the word poor because they weren't poor, but they put themselves in a in a very hard position in life where they lived in a nice house, we lived in a nice area, but they stretched beyond their means. So, you know, I remember going to a fuel station once and seeing my mum cry because she couldn't fill the, fill the car up, you know, those sort of things. So money was tough. And I think when you're in that situation around other people that have got money and whatever, it, 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 it builds character. You know, you know your true value of a pound, you know, you don't get 10 quid a week pocket money you you know get fucked you can have a, you can have 50 pence yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. um and it, it sounds stupid to think like that but it, it, as a kid that's quite a big deal isn't it when you're treated differently to other kids mm. and yeah growing up i think again it grew up in a nice area but mixed with the wrong crowd right right which resulted in a lot of a lot of fighting a lot of crime in prison you know, arrested quite a lot, probably every, every other weekend, sort of arrested for some bollocks and, and let off with, with a slap on the wrist, you know. Right. A bit different back then, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. um, do you know what? It seems so, like, you, you think now, like, I, I go back to, like, you know, Wales, I used to go out every week and just see a fight. You know, mm-hmm. every weekend you go out and you'd, you'd, you'd even be involved in a fight, you'd see a fight. And it's like, that, that, it just, like you said, it seems to be a different time now. It just seems to, it, like, it, you, you, that just doesn't... It was a daily occurrence yeah. Yeah. for me. Uh, I'm in a scrap. It was like, you brought up with your fists. Um, so I think that's where the blueprint came from is having two older brothers and being competitive and I say everyone was a competition as I got older um, I replaced my brothers so to say with different people because I was a, I was actually a, an Olympic standard swimmer when I was a teenager oh, really? I was at the top of the country I was a national champion for Amazing. three years in a row okay so there's a strength there as well it's yeah, I know a swimmer, mate, and he, and he used to swim and, and he didn't used to do anything else. And he yeah. had insane strength. Exactly. Um, and when I used to go to swimming when I was like five, six years old, my brothers would be 
faster than me, bigger than me, stronger than me, and I fucking hated it. You know, I'd come home and about eat more, train more, stretch, you know, yeah. I'd be going to sleep early so I could be better for next day. Anything to overtake my brothers. And then obviously I do overtake my brothers and it's like, fuck, all right, what do I do now? I replace my brothers with the Mark Fosters, you know, with the Olympic champions. Right, I want to beat these motherfuckers. Mm, yeah. Um, and then swimming sort of had a, had, a, had a bad turn, put on to the world-class potential squad, which is like the junior Olympic team. What age is this? At uh, age 12. Right. 13, thereabouts. And then swimming became something that I loved, something that I loved doing. I loved going to competitions and winning. It became military, you know, and all my training swapped up and my coach got suckered into this Olympic Olympic mind frame. If you've got to do X amount of lengths, X amount of distance, X amount of hours. And I was like, what, what, why fix what's not broken? And we fell out and so I quit swimming. Uh, got into a lot of trouble with school, ended up being expelled from school. I got a girl pregnant around the time, nine, nine diagnosed with cancer around at the same time as well. So the whole, my whole fucking world just imploded at oh, sort yeah. of 13, 14 years of age. Yeah. Was your dad there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mum and dad have always been good. Um, and that led to a, a very bad bout of depression, really bad. And I was, uh, saw a doctor, my mum took me to a doctor and I was prescribed Prozacs and, and so I was, uh, hooked up with a psychiatrist for, for two years. Um, I suppose mental health was not a big thing back then either. So no one really knew what to do. You couldn't talk about mental health. No. Yeah, exactly. And it's so young. It was almost like well. an embarrassing thing it, to talk about. It is. And obviously yeah. me being who I was, you know, and I, gotta, I don't really like to speak like this, but, it, you know, at school I was like the alpha. I was like the top boy. Yeah. You know, and you, if you said to someone, I'm, oh, I'm having a bit of an anxiety attack, fuck like, me, you'd be laughed off the school yeah. ground. Yeah. 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 You, you get all sorts of shit. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was like that. It was horrendous. Yeah. And that's yeah. the brutal truth. You yeah. would be called every name under the sun and laughed out the school grounds. So I couldn't turn to anyone. So in secret, I was on Prozac and seeing the psychiatrist. And that was a very hard thing to deal with because I couldn't talk to anyone. It was just me and my mum that, yeah. that sort of knew about it. I mean, you know. I think even my brothers didn't know at the time, you know, I kept it, kept it to myself. And I think those two years I got worse and worse and worse. And then it was my mum and dad sat me down one day. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? You, you, you're just sat in your room all day. They were at work, brothers are at school or uni or whatever. And I was just sat home wanking and playing the PlayStation. <laughs> and the one, <laughs> did a lot of wanking. Um, <laughs> And they were like, what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, especially this one. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> and they were like, what are you doing with your life? You need to do something. It's like, do something with your day. So I think it was my mum said, join the gym. So I joined the gym. I started to, to go to the gym and I started off lifting weights and just. Good old mum. I love yeah. the fact that your mum's just told yeah. you, go get the fucking gym. <laughs> your mum was you a catalyst. I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, Amazing. And I just found that, you know, every time I went to the gym, I'd come home and, and, I, and I'd feel better. I'd get a sense of euphoria, a feeling of self, self-worth. self You know, I feel good about myself. What made you listen to your mum? Because, I mean, I, I, had a sim- I had a very, very similar story. And most kids, or it's, you know, certainly some kids will go, no, mum, I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rebel still. I'm going to do what I want. What made you listen to your mum? I think there was no other way I could turn. Do you think you just hit like... I hit rock yeah, bottom. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, you got to think, my swimming fell to shit. I was expelled from school. Mm-hmm. You know, I... It I was, had not many choices and options. 
And there's a lot of pressure on you, and there still is now for these young young people. Is like you've got to get GCSEs, you've got to go to college, you've got to get a job, you know. And it's like there's so much pressure. And I think when I got expelled from school, and my dreams of being an Olympic swimmer went out the window, it was just like mm-hmm. fucking, hell, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fail. And and the thoughts crept in of suicide and whatever else. So, and I think my mum saw that. Right. My mum saw that, you know, saw the difference in me, you know. And I look back on, and we look back on it. Uh, an old holiday video from when I was about that age and we were on holiday in Jamaica and everyone's having a great time and I'm just sat in the pool like that and I remember it in my head I remember looking at that video and thinking fucking hell that was that was such a tough time in my life and my mum saw that and that's why I opened up my mum asked me and I opened up and then obviously I went down the channel going to the doctors and then Prozac's and psychiatrists so I mean I'm not a big fan of the Prozac route but I think even if it's the placebo, it was it was doing something for me. It was like a click for me to be like, right, you're on the track now to getting better. You know, you're making an effort to better yourself. Yeah, even if you're just doing, you're making an effort. Even, exactly. it, yeah. even it does fuck all. Yeah. Even yeah. those tablets were doing nothing. Yeah. For me, taking those tablets and seeing the psychiatrist was... I'm trying. Just yeah. the, the next yeah. step. 73 a way out. Yeah, yeah 73% of, um, of drug tests show that placebo works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, But I think it's great that you admit that, Eddie, from like the strongest man in the world. For other people listening, a lot of people kind of keep it quiet because it just seems harder and stronger to, to sort of to tell people how you feel. I think that's really helpful because yeah. other kids now... Well, especially men as well. Like, you know, yeah. we are... That's, you know, we've been trying to <coughs> encourage that and we've spoke about this a bit on here, like to actually hear, I mean, to hear him say it as well. You exactly. Know. The, yeah. the, that's, that's incredible. So you, so you got involved with uh, with going into the gym mm-hmm. and, and getting fit and, and you know improving your mental health. Who did you idolize at the time to to then go into strongman and, so, and, and realize shit? I'm fucking shit hot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, I kind of knew I was shit hot from the swimming. You know, right. I knew I had talent. Yeah. So I knew that if I put my mind to something, I can be bod- I, I can be good at something. And I think. From a very, very early age, I think it was age five is probably one of my earliest childhood memories is, is sitting around in the living room watching the Terminator 2. Nice. Yeah. And watching Arnold walk yeah. into a bar butt naked, kick the shit out of 20 odd outlaws and walk <laughs> out with a new set of levers on a new motorbike. And that for me was just one of the most mesmerizing yeah, I remember that as well. moments amazing. of my yeah, life. Yeah. And I think from that day forward, I wanted to be Arnold. You know, and he always became a little hero of mine. Had all the figures, and I was walk around thinking I was the Terminator in school. <laughs> um, so I think that blueprinted on me from a very young age of Arnold. You know, I want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Cut to lifting weights when I was 13, 14. I was like, you know, I had this great physique from swimming. I think even age age 13, I was 13 stone, which is uh, what's that? In, it's like 80 something kilos. Yeah, yeah, about 80. 80 kilo. Uh, I had abs. I had a massive chest, massive shoulders. And I was like, I could fucking do something with this. And then I started lifting weights and these muscles just blew up. You know, the testosterone at that age and growth hormone. Especially with your genetic, um, I'd say mutation. (laughs) You're completely right. That that gene deformity was a massive People don't realize that the gym is such a, you know, before it made you strong, it made you mentally right. Oh, yeah. The gym, gym, boxing, like fitness, it fixes everything. People don't realize that. Uh, We were just talking about this yesterday. I said the, the sheer fact of moving movement is key yeah. moving blood around your body yeah, no, endorphins it. releasing stuff like people don't realize how much fitness and health can just get you right on track and it sounds like massive it's exactly advocate of that. yeah massive advocate it just changes like everything um 
And I think I think just going to the gym and lifting weights, uh, as you say, getting that feeling of euphoria and feeling better. It, it, again, looking back to Arnold Schwarzenegger, I was like, mm-hmm. right, I'm going to be next Mr. Olympia. Right. Fast forward to 19 years of age, I realise I'm never going to be uh, an on-stage bodybuilder just because it's shit. <laughs> um, but realised I had freakishly a freakish talent for strength. You know, at 19, I was deadlifting, I think. It was well over, like, 340 kilo. Right, yeah. I was squatting 300 kilo for reps. What were you benching? I benched 300 kilo with a, with a shirt when I was 19. What? Yeah. I was just stupidly, stupidly that's strong. Insane. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It was, it was insane. It that's was, insane. Yeah. No, that's so, great. I mean, my raw bench was probably... I think it was 200 when I was 19, maybe a bit more. Um, but yeah, I just realized I had this insane talent for strength. Yeah. And then it was my brother, my middle brother, James, who, who actually said, you should do a fucking strongman contest and test yourself. So I went to, I think it was Blackburn and, and did, did Blackburn's Strongest Man out of like 40 guys and came fifth. You know, I have a good set of blokes, and I was like, "Fuck it, I've got, I've got a talent here." But were they a lot older at the time? Yeah, yeah. I was, a, I was so. a kid. I was okay, yeah. You hadn't, um, you hadn't even really developed your, your strength yeah, yet. Yeah. yeah. And at nineteen, I came home, and all over social media, I put, "I'm going to be the world's strongest man one day." Watch this fucking space. <laughs> when I was nineteen, <laughs> I love that. Amazing. That's where it came from. And then yeah, I yeah. guess my idols, idols, always been. Arnold Schwarzenegger's always been like in the, in, the, in the forefront of like dragging me through. Yeah, the swimming, dragging me through the the bodybuilding stage. Yeah, and then the idols swap again, like like I swapped my brothers for the Mark Fosters. My brothers were then replaced by the Brian Shaws, the Sadrina Savickas's, the you know the the half over Johnsons. I want to go and compete against these motherfuckers and be competitive against them and beat their asses. So that competitive nature went from my brothers to the swimming idols to the strongman idols. Yeah, nice. And now it's back to Arnold. Yeah. And do you know, know when you put your idols at the beginning, that you said you put your idols at the forefront of your mind, you know what you do? It's something so weird. You, you kind of set yourself up for meeting with them, working with them, mm. hanging out with them. You know, you, you do all those things and you don't realize it might be five years later, 10 years later. I have a, I have a weird story with Prizefire. I kept, I, I remember running at night, I remember in, in Wales, running at night and Russell Crowe, his team basically said no twice. Yeah. Go out and we'd run and listen to Gladiator. And every, every time we get, got to the end, yeah. <laughs> so cheesy, I know. <laughs> every time we get to the end, I don't know if I've ever said this actually, I'd sprint. Yeah. And him and my other friend would be miles behind. I'd just sprint, sprint, sprint. I wouldn't stop because the music was on. After him saying no twice. Yeah. And I just knew he'd end up saying yes. I don't know why. Yeah. I just wouldn't stop. And it's one of those things where every time you keep thinking about people you want to meet, people you want to work with, people yeah. you aspire to be like or you look yeah. up to, all you're doing is you're creating your mindset to put yourself in that room. And it sounds like, you know. No, it's exactly, exactly that. Exactly Almost insane. identical. Is, yeah. Is that, you know, I went on to compete in, in obviously great levels in Strongman, uh, competing in front of Arnold Schwarzenegger, became yeah. pally with Arnold Schwarzenegger, been into business with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. And been on film with him. And, no, I haven't been on film oh. with him. But yeah, not yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's done interviews for me for documentaries that I'm, I'm in and, you know. That's great. I remember going into Gold's Gym. I was in LA for a while and I'd go in there every morning, 6 a.m. He'd be in at Gold's Gym. Oh, yeah. Really? Every morning, 6 a.m., yeah, when it opened. And he had a big guy with him. I don't know if he was a security, tall, huge guy. And he'd do the same. He didn't do the free weights. He did the machines. Um, and I just thought, he must have, I don't know how old he is now, but he probably was, this was like, 
I think he still trains, doesn't he? And he's, he's, got, he's got to be in his... Yeah. He's, I would say 70s. He's still in yeah. good shape. But look yeah. at like Stallone and some of these guys. They're in incredible shape at like 80, 75, 80. Yeah. It's crazy to think they're that age because I still think they're like 50s, 50s and 60s. Yeah. So they're not. They're, yeah, they're you know, not. They are... Yeah. The 57 old old men. like the Joe Rogans. Those guys are all in shape. Right. They're 50s coming up to 60, like Mike Tyson. They can right. all get in great shape. Yeah. But they're 20 years behind that is the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and those guys and keeping in incredible shape. So, so, so Eddie... Um, to flip it, what what do you fear? What's like you're you're a superman in in like younger generations, men, women, they 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 look up to you, they see you as a superhero. What's like your kryptonite? What's what do you fear? I would say a simple answer would be normality. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've, yeah. I've been there. I've I, I, I've been through school. I've I've been through the hardships. I've been through loss. I started work at sixteen. As a truck mechanic, I was working 60 hours a week, Monday to Saturday. I then worked security on the doors and nightclubs, and I did that Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, so I was moonlighting. In total, working over 80, probably 85 hours a week, and I did that for, for 10 years, plus my training, you know, with the strongman. But it's hard graft. I was fucking killing myself. Yeah. And I remember coming home almost every single day, and literally being head in hands, like, I fucking hate my life. Yeah. I fucking hated it. I hated working for somebody. I hated working a fucking job. I hated working the doors and dealing with dickheads and, and pissheads. And it was a fucking horrible life. And the structure of someone telling you what to do, you got to be here at nine, you got to finish a fight. Like, it, it just, yeah. S simple fact if you're working for somebody else and making them money, that's not happiness. I don't give a fuck what you say. Listen, you can't be fucking happy doing that unless you're working for yourself, freelance or whatever, and doing your own shit and being your own boss. That's happiness. That's fuck. That's when you start fucking living. Because there's another drive. It does. It gives you. It gives you drive to go and do the best you can do and best you can be for you for yourself. No one's going to turn up for work every day and be like, I'm going to work my damn hardest today to make that motherfucker's another yeah. fucking million pounds. Yeah. No one's got the fucking mindset of that. And I was stuck. I was stuck being more, a normal person. I was stuck with someone who, who struggled to pay his mortgage, struggled to pay his bills, struggled to fucking, you know, save up for a holiday. I've been there and I've done that and I fucking hated it. So I think, and that, that, that for me is depressive. And that was a very, very... Dark, I was in very dark points in my life during that process, back to my teenage years as well. Um, so I think that that's what scares me most is 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 going back to normality. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah. But don't you think the majority of people are working for someone and they believe that their boss, their CEO, they believe because I speak to them, is really appreciative of their of their time and their effort. And I've got friends that do this in these jobs and they're mm -hmm. not happy and they work 12, 15 hours a day. And I almost want to say, hold on, your boss is like not as happy as, you, you know, he's just kind of using you in a way. Yeah, yeah. You've just got to break free and do your own thing. So how would you suggest people find what they're good at, right? So you knew, mum said go to the gym, you went, you had this freakish strength. So luckily you were pushed in a, in, in a right way. And also luckily the depression wasn't lucky, but the fact that you saw a therapist at an early stage mm -hmm. probably really helped now in, mentally with, with things. Yeah. So what would you say to people who are like not sure where, what they, where, where they want to go? Because now, like you say, you're, you're doing really well with the social media stuff and YouTube um, after Strongman and you're earning more than that than you were doing in Strongman. What would you say? How is it best that people can find their sort of calling? Oh, jeez. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of like use my dad as an example, right? Because 
he worked in a factory for 40 years and he fucking hated his job. And he told us every day he hated his fucking job. <laughs> but he stuck to it because end of the day, you've got to pay the bills and you've got to support your wife, got to support your kids. So my dad, in a way, was is kind of my hero. Is You know, he he, he taught me how, how a man should be in this world and that's to support and supply, you know, your, your, your wife and kids. And that, right. that, that's the truth. And some people are happy doing that. My dad wasn't happy doing that. But some people are happy doing that. And some, some, that, that is someone's destiny. I think that... Breaking that mold, and and uh, so what are you asking me? What's the advice I'd give to someone trying who's in that position? Yeah, who's in a position of like working for somebody else? What, what you were saying, exactly? Because I completely agree. Like it's, they're working for somebody else, and it's kind of depressive and it's normal. And the way that you feel, you know, real fulfillment is to do your own thing. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know what to do. They don't know where to yeah, take to it, where to go. To yeah. Yeah. But you know what you're saying? Like you're saying about the security, right? Pe I'm, I'm, people are, people are molded into this society of, of you've got to do this yeah. and you've got to be secure. I think that's what I was trying to say is like my dad, my dad did that for 40 years. And he, and then I think in the end he asked for a pay rise and he got, he got told to get fucked. Right. So he left his job. And he went um, agency and ended up earning, you know, good money. He went from earning 100 quid a day to 1,500 quid a day. Right. You know, that, that, you know, he found his worth there. Yeah. But when he asked for that pay rise and he was told to get fucked and he left, they ended up employing two people to replace my dad right. because he did, the work, he did the work of two jobs, which yeah. is quite, you know. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that, that's, it just goes to show how underappreciated you are as an mm -hmm. employee. Yeah. And I saw uh, something on social media the other, the other day is... Um, I think a janitor died and literally within two days his job was being advertised and 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 above it <laughs> above the article for this guy's job was um i don't know let, let, let's just say stephen smith dies of heart attack blah 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 and then below was this was the article advertising for the job for the job <laughs> the guy above was the guy who died and the the below was the job the guy had, wow. and that that's the that's the cruel reality yeah, of life. It's it like is. you will be replaced yeah. within two or three yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. think you're special. Everybody's yeah. replaceable. Yeah. Don't think yeah, in a job. Know, don't yeah. And this is and I always had I always had the method with it because I used to be a lifeguard and at a at a sports centre right um, back in the day and it, you do a bit a bit of lifeguarding, a bit of like off seat, you know, like doing building up gymnastics and all that. A bit like a sports centre. Yeah. Right. And I was I was such a lazy shit. I was so fucking like, and my mechanic job as well. I was so fucking lazy. Every opportunity, I'd find a corner and just be fucking, yeah. you know, just wouldn't give a fuck. Uh. And I got pulled in one day, and for, for being a lazy shit. And they sort of said, right, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to pull your weight here. And I just went, you know what? Minimum wage, minimum effort. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, and walked out. And they couldn't really say anything to it because it's the fucking yeah, truth. The truth. Like, you're yeah. paying me minimum fucking wage, so I'm yeah. going to give you minimum fucking effort. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it sort of like went around the whole building, you know, like yeah. as if you spoke to the manager like that. Was, that needs to be like a comedy yeah. skit. Like, Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to live here forever. You know, yeah. it's, this is just a temporary job. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I guess it's quite hard to answer your question because... Because people have to be that person. My dad had to be that person. Yeah, yeah. He had to be. Yeah. Otherwise, I, me and my, my mum and brothers wouldn't be wouldn't be able to grow up and have yeah. their nice life. Well, even what you had you went through, you had to go through that. You have to, yeah, you, you had to go to through that adversity. Like, the thing on that is, I, I go on. 
No, I was going to say, but I think it's going through that that makes yeah. you, gives you that drive. Yeah. Because when I went into job, I was, I, when I first started that job, I was very happy. Fucking hell, I landed a job. Yeah. I'm a lifeguard, you know, this is great. I'm going to, you know, buy a car and do this. And, I, and then when I got a mechanic, it was like, oh, I'm only 30 grand a year now. Fucking hell, get in. Yeah. You know, I bought a house and whatever. Yeah. And then, and then it, it sort of sinks in, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you have to go through that to realise it. And I think it's yeah. going through those those 80-hour weeks working mm-hmm. and, and head in hands every night that puts the fucking drive in you. So yeah. I guess my advice to everyone out there is... is Get stuck into it. Do bare minimum. <laughs> do what you've got to do. And if you get that fed up, find your way out. And it might be anything. It could be painting. It could be just swapping your job to be being a freelance PT, you know, where you're your own boss, you can do your own hours. Yeah. There's so many different ways you can earn money these days other than working for yeah. somebody. I would and, say and do and what you, makes you smart. You began good, working hard and then you just channeled it to working smart. Exactly, yeah. Well, and the freedom of you don't have to go, you know, because of everything happening, you don't have to go and be in an office nine to five and now you can work from home and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting what Eddie's saying as well, like, because this happens almost every podcast, is through adversity, like something bad something, happening. Yeah. Where you're not left a choice, yeah. where yeah. you've got to do this to stop yeah. the depression or whatever it is yeah. you've always got to do. Well, look at Rebecca, she, you know, when she was, she was raped at 19 in Liverpool. In Liverpool. Oh, yeah. nice foster points. care, limb rape. Like, yeah, 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 and it just yeah. changed everything. Like, it's, it's so weird that, you know, yeah, it, it's interesting. I think it's, um, you know, just to add to what you're saying, I think, you know, I remember saying to a friend before, an actor friend, he was so nervous about moving to London because he had this security and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the word security in, where, in, um, in Luton. You know, had a family, had his girlfriend, he had a house, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And you're just on a conveyor belt. You know, you're on a conveyor belt. Like you said, the guy dies and jumps off. Someone else just gets, gets, gets put on. And I think the, the, the point on like, how do people break free is you have to take yourself out of that comfort zone. So everyone that's like got the job, got the house, got the thing like that, it's shit. Like you yeah. said, when you ask those people, they'll still 90% of them will still say, okay, I've got this, but it's shit. Yes. The moment you put yourself in a really uncomfortable situation, I remember saying to my actor friend, mate, just, just do the move. Jump to London because all the work is here. Don't think about it. Mm. Like, you know, think about it in terms of what you can survive and all this kind of stuff, but don't like, don't ponder on the decision otherwise you'll never make it. He jumped to London, he booked a TV series for 100, 111 episodes straight away. And that mindset yeah. took him back into a bit of survival mode. And you kind of go, well, wait there. I think you were talking about the lift in the car and everything like that. As soon as you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, you tap into those things, those other areas that you might find your talent or you might do this. And that's where you can kind of like break free. I think like to go on from that is, is I did the eight hour weeks working, 20 hours a week strong money to 2014. And again, this is the point in my life where I'm like head in hands. I fucking hate my life. And I did a world record deadlift. Um, in front of a massive crowd, Leeds, Carnegie Stadium, World Deadlift Championships, pulled the world record, lifted up to the top, and the referee gave me the down signal, and I let go of the weight. So you have to lower it to four for yeah. the rep to count. So because I let go of it. I think it, I saw this. Was, is this on video? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a documentary. Yeah, I saw So it. because I let go of it, I, I got disallowed the lift. So I went from having £10,000 prize money to fuck all. Shit. Ah, fuck off. You know? And and at the time, as I say, I was working eight hours a week, training 20 hours a week. I was killing myself. I was spending all my money on strongman. I say that weekend I spent probably four or five hundred quid on you needed hotels, that money. traveling up there, food, you know, day yeah. off work on the Friday, blah blah blah. 
And I come in that weekend and I was so fucking down, so depressed. And I said to the wife, I'm quitting Strongman. I'm done with it. I'm just wasting all my money, putting it all into Strongman just to fucking lose money. What's the fucking point? So I sort of made this decision in my head. I was like, right, I'm going to put the extra hours in at work, do more overtime. I had a security business at the time. So, you know, I was going to grow that security business, get more clubs, more nightclubs, put more effort into that. And just, you know, live off that. And it was it was good money. And the wife looked at me and sort of said, what the fuck are you on about? You've just pulled a world record deadlift for the world to see. And you're going to quit your fucking job. And you're going to quit Strongman and go back to work and, and, and go back to your door business. She's like, you fucking dickhead. She was, like, mm. she was literally taking the piss out of her. <laughs> oh, little baby. <laughs> so we carried on the conversation and then, it almost flipped on its head. It went from this massive negative to a massive positive where it's like, you know what? You're completely right. I am the best in the world at what I do. And I can be the best in the world at Strongman. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a change. And it was dwelling on me for years. It's like, do I quit my job and be a pro Strongman? And that weekend was the weekend I never went back to work. Right. I rung in work Monday morning, six months sick pay. <laughs> Never went back to work. I sold the door business and I became a professional strongman overnight. And as you say, it's taking that chance. Extreme decision. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much negativity around, around you. Like yeah. everyone I spoke to was like, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. How are you going to pay your bills? Yeah. How are you going to afford this? How are you going to afford that? My parents, you know, very negative. And that it's bred into people to yeah. be yeah. that way. Yeah. Be secure. Yeah. Look after your little nest egg and, and make sure you don't fuck up. And I was like, yeah. fuck this. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Let's fucking go for it. Yeah. Quit my job, sold my door business, became a full-time strongman. Two and a half years later, I won the world's strongest man. Wow. That's amazing, mate. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And to do, go to the extreme of that, even if people aren't strongman fans, I think the image that sticks in a lot of people's mind is when you did that lift, your nose... Yeah, I mean, that, that, I remember seeing that, and I was shocked. I thought, eh, and everyone—it's quite disturbing. Actually. Everyone remembers that <laughs> yeah. as well. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of an insane. The iconic, the iconic lift, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what was happening there? Was that the same as? Because I remember seeing as well. You had black eyes. Um, you had so your tears had blood in them. Yeah. So cheeks were shaking. Like yeah. So um, I mean, the aftermath of that was quite bad obviously the paramedics got on me, all my stats were just unreadable, blood pressure, heart rate was just like 200 beats per minute, it just fucking just went off the roof. Oh, yeah. And you've got to remember, I had this massive rush, rush of adrenaline. Yeah. So it's like, where, where does it go? You've done that one lift and then where does it go? Yeah. Um, so I just had to suffer with that. I got Arkai. If you're an Arkai. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the Arkai where the middle of your eye. What's that? I used to work at Fords and we used to do arc with different types of welding, MIG welding, arc welding. Mm. You basically weld metal together and use this sort of this gas and you have to have this massive ultraviolet shield on. If you look at it for too long or even with the shield off, it basically feels like this hot molten sand in your eyes. Yeah. It's called Arkai. Yeah. yeah. So if you're welding one spot there, right, and then you finish welding and look off in the distance, that spot you can't see. Really? Because it's it's just like it's about looking at the sun for an yeah. hour and then looking at the floor. Oh. All you can see is the sun still. So I couldn't see like the, I could see everything around, but I couldn't see what was in front of me. So you got to think I'm on this on this bed. Paramedics all over me. I can't fucking see anything. I'm breathing's escalating. My heart rate's for the roof, and I'm just like, <laughs> and I had to sort of like really calm myself down, come back down to earth. It took me about two hours to sort of get all my stats down, and vision came back gradually. Could have died easily. 
and there was there was blood pissing out my nose, blood in my tear ducts, blood coming out my ears. And it's like I went to the oh, yeah, went to the doctors. I think like a, a two weeks later, and he was like, hundred percent, you've had a bleed on the brain." I'm just like, how do you know that? It's like because that's what that's what it is. It comes out of all those. When holes. bleeding from your ears is like the worst yeah. thing, right? It's like, that's what it is. Yeah. And it all made as soon as he said that, it all made sense because the next day it was my son's birthday party, and I don't fucking remember anything. My wife had to tell me. I was like having conversations with people like my brother or my brother's wife, and then having the same conversations again and be like, Eddie just said that. I'd be like, oh, fucking hell. God, What's God. wrong with me? And there was the bleed on the brain. Just give me the, the, the same symptoms as concussion. Shit. Completely. And concussion's horrible. It's horrible it wasn't brain. nice, yeah. yeah. Four or five weeks later, I, I competed at Will's Strongest when I came third, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking what, mad. What would you <laughs> someone say when I was getting the other show? It's like, would you do it again? And, he, and you went, yeah, I would, but I'd t- add 10 kilograms to yeah. each side. Yeah, no, yeah and you 100%. said, I need 10 minutes. You said, I need five minutes, so I'll do it again. And they're like, yeah, that's Eddie Hall. I love, I love it, man, because I love the confidence that comes through it and, and you have to have it. Like, you know, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line, isn't there, between confidence and cocky, and it's like, you've got to have it. It's like, it's, it's, it's fucking incredible, man. For, for the strongman competition now to, to grow in a, in a different direction and, um, you know, people are getting bigger, um, weights are and and the actual events are, are getting different now. Uh, what would you say to the n- next generation that actually want to become the next strong man or the strong woman? <laughs> don't fucking do don't it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to say, don't do it. Yeah. I mean, geez. I mean, Mate, I, say, I say the same. They, they probably come I, I, from I, adversity, and and, and they. I say the same when people say to me, "Oh, Matt, I want to produce a film," and I say, "Just don't, don't do it. Don't go near it." I think the best way to is have a plan and 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 think about your career and your finances more than anything. I mean, yes, you've got to do what you love and you've got to do it because you love it. But for me, it was an out. It was a way out. It was a way of right. I'm going to win the world's strongest man, and I knew the money, the prize money for winning the world's strongest man is like I think at the time it was like thirty five grand sterling, and it was like you can't live off that. No. You, and compete you can't travel and everything you can't do yeah. it so the plan you have training by the time you spend all your money yeah yeah, yeah it's the same plan was to grow a brand and i think that in itself helps you in so many different aspects because then you get the sponsors and then when you start winning competitions you're able you know having a having a personality being yourself is probably the best advice i can give because so many people have gone and won the world's strongest man and then gone back to normal jobs and that's very sad to see yeah you know, you win as such a great title art, and, and it happens in all sports, Olympic gold medalists, world champions. They go just win, go into hiding. Yeah. Win these things, then they're back, you know. Well, I remember, I mean, you know, Julius Francis, amazing friend of ours, but he was on he was on our first episode and he fought Mike Tyson, British mm-hmm. British heavyweight champion, and he went he went back into um being on the doors and he, you know, he's obviously still doing it now, but it, it, you know, he's he's got such a character as well. Yeah. And it's it's so true. Like, you know, you we touched on the work side and working for people, you know, hopefully you don't mind saying this, you know, you're you got your brand, you're the beast and yeah. you're fucking, you're, you're making money off promoting yourself and you, and you're doing good stuff. It's not as if you're promoting shit, you know, you're, you're yeah, promoting yeah. great stuff, clothing yeah. the, and the food, all this kind of stuff, yeah. films. Yeah. Which is going to be a new thing. And it's like, surely there's no better satisfaction than that. Right. It can't be nothing. Yeah. yeah built, built me an empire in a way. Mm. Yeah, and, and what do you get your, I know you mentioned family and, but where do you get your like happiness from now? Like what gives you the most fulfillment? Honestly, like, uh, Spending time with my son right. is is the most fulfilling thing I'm doing right now. He's getting into his weight weight uh, training. I see you guys weight training together, yeah. and did he's you, like spotting you. You always wanted kids, did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, he's getting into his weight training and um, no pressure on him. But you know, I asked him what, what I asked him a year ago. What does he want to be when he grows up, policeman? I asked him what he what he wants to be when he grows up. A month ago, I want to be you, dad. And that's just oh, like that's, that's the effect. That's the effect. Melts your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the effect. Yeah. And that's what that's what I'm putting all my time and effort into now is just making sure he grows up to be a, a loving, amazing young man. Fuck the strong man. Fuck it. But doing weights is just good for him. He's got ADHD. He's yeah. got dyspraxia. He's, yeah. You know, he's behind in class. Boy, he's such a happy boy, and that's all that matters to me is he's happy, and, and he enjoys training with me. And if when he's older. He wants to be world's strongest man or break a world record deadlift. He's got every tool and every re, every resource to do it. Yeah, and you'll, so, you'll be there as well. Yeah, and that's what makes me happy, mate, is, is putting all the effort into my son right now. Inspire you to have children, James? Because James, well, no, James is getting on a bit and he, I want to keep saying to him, I keep saying to him he needs to start thinking about having children, but he's like, no, my life's too good. No, we're listening, listening to a man who's like, you know, achieved what you have. Like, I mean, the pinnacle of a lot of things is strength, right? To be the strongest human in the world, I mean, to achieve what you've achieved and then to hear you meaningfully say that is, is a huge eye-opener for me yeah, and for us. So, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Well, and, you know, uh, don't hit me, but, you know, he's, he's obviously a nice, sensitive guy as well. And he's got feelings and emotions. He's not just, like, bullshitting around, like, yeah, I'm the strongest and, you know, yeah. fuck you. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, he was. He was, but... And now you're acting as well. You're doing some movies, right? Yeah, I've just... Dad relaxed with it, though. But yeah, it's, you know, put my name forward for roles and, 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 and you know, parts and whatever. Um, and it's something I've got a little bit of a passion for, obviously because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But I'm in a, as I say, I'm in a great position where I don't need to take these tiny little roles and do these little, tiny little cameos and, 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 and waste, waste my time, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I've got, I've had a few pals that have, I've had a few pals that have been very successful, like Martin Ford, he's been done fucking amazing. Yeah. He's, Currently filming a big film out in Bulgaria. Oh, yeah, okay. we met him yeah. in Bulgaria. Yeah, meeting him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've got some mates that have done really well, but I've also got mates that are just chasing the chasing the tail feathers, where mm. they're just you know getting little cameos and, and 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 just like dressing up as extras and stuff, and just hoping for that big role one day. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy because you're not. I found and I found this myself of experiences. Shit exposure just leads to more shit exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get a shit partner film, you're going to get another shit partner right, film. Right. Fact. Well, it's, all, it's getting pigeonholed as well, you know? If yeah. you're just called in, oh, Eddie, we need you because we need you to knock out some guy. It's like, okay, well, that's going to be the same thing. You know who's really good? It's, it's quite a really um, obvious person to go to, but someone that's really good to look at that is The Rock. The Rock, when The Rock first started acting, he did cameo comedy roles. Right. Like he was standing in, I don't know if you remember him in a, he was in a film where he was playing like a, a big, like um, gay guy and he was like really funny and like With this. the afro. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. you know, it, it, it was brilliant. But he, when you hear him talking about it now, he was like, he, he says, look, I was told to do this. I was told to just step in as the big guy or just say this and do that and jump out. And he said, I just, I just said, no, he said, I can, I can brand myself. I can be, I don't need to be, you know, Will Smith or Johnny Depp. I can be the rock. I can yeah. brand myself. And, and you know, obviously he's the best example. And it's like, it's it's crazy saying that because you can you can get into that world in film where you get you know you get pigeonholed and it's kind of um, but but it in a way it sounds, it seems like a natural transition for something for, for you to do because listen to everything you've said I think if you were you know on set you know you get looked after very well get paid very well and if you if you if you 
if you get the right role where you're tapping into some of that psychological side that you've gone through in your life, yeah, yeah. you're probably going to really like, you know, uh, yeah, and really also, enjoy that. Now I've met you, you, it's, you know, WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get. It's yeah. like when you meet someone, you're like, no, you're real. And I think in acting, that's the most important thing. Well, he is, he is real. You, you, you know, you can touch him <laughs> if you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no if act touch bravado, just... <laughs> there's no like bravado yeah, or act yeah. on layer. You know, it's very yeah. real. It's about so... it's about being real. I, I completely agree. It. On, I mean, we 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 literally talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but I'll, I'll ask you again. Um, there's you're you know you're young still, full of life. I've mentioned the thing about Tyson Fury. You know, he's 33 as well. What do you think there has to be something? What's next for you? Or what do you want to do that you haven't done? Or do you think you have to do something? Because, you know, people with your personality, yeah. I can feel it in my side as well. And things that other people have done, you know, you're not just going to sit at home doing nothing. Yeah, you know, you, you, there's going to be another obsession coming. It's hard. Um, I mean, it's, it's well documented, especially with sports athletes, is when they went, reach the pinnacle, when they reach the pinnacle, like world's strongest man or a world championship or world boxer or Olympic gold medalist as they reach it and they get this it's like a drug it's like cocaine yeah sort of, yeah you get this massive massive high I'm not speaking from experience you get this massive <laughs> high and you feel on top of the world you feel fucking invincible and you know you feel great you're the best thing ever and you have to come down from that and that come down is fucking hard, really hard. Because I'm, you know, I won the world's strongest man. I had this amazing feeling, euphoria, felt on top of the world. And then two days later, I'm back and I'm and, and, and I'm wiping my son's ass, you know, when I'm back to pay my bills. And it's just like, what now? And I did a, did a, did like a year and a half of just doing TV shows, which is good, which I enjoyed. Endorsements, evening waves, you know, just just riding that wave really of making money, which again, you know, I enjoyed, but it didn't really give me purpose. It wasn't it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a meaningful meaningful purpose, so to say. And then the fight came about, which is God gave me a bit of purpose again, and now it's back to like, you know, what, what's important. And, and and I guess for me now, it's my son. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's making sure he's looked after, and you know, making sure his well being and everything. But yeah, you're completely right. Is uh, what next and what do you do? Because that first time you get that hit of cocaine, you feel fucking amazing. And the reason people keep coming back is because they're chasing that high and you never get it. Yeah. You never get that first time you do it. You never get that same feeling ever right. again. Okay. And that's why people come back. That's why it's addictive. You're always chasing that massive high. It's the same with that success is you're always chasing that high. And you never quite get it. So you have to set these goals. I think mean, Tyson Fury is probably a good example right now. He's been the world champion of the world. Yeah. And now it's like, what, what now? What do I do? Yeah. And he had the same, he had the, you know, he won against Klitschko and won everything and then just dropped, you know, went yeah, straight into You lose straight into, yeah. You lose that high. Yeah. And if you can't keep topping up that high, then yeah, bad things, bad thoughts creep in. The darkness creeps in. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so on that perfect role for Eddie Hall. You'd be surprised, actually. I, like, everyone looks at me and, and like, you always put yours like the James Bond baddie, the villain, the bad guy, the guy that smacks people up. I can do those, but I want to come in as, as they say, like the comedy, you know, the the rom coms, the the stuff that will surprise people. That, that's yeah, where yeah, I thrive. Like yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I want to be, really. Yeah, comedy is really hard as well. People don't realize how um how how hard comedy is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one to crack. But it, like you said, if you if you can if you do it, then it's. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's, it's weird because I was you know we're speaking to Martin through you linking us up in um, Bulgaria, 
and he said the same thing like you know he he's he's got he's got this like you know this talent and this emotion inside he, he doesn't want to just do these like big badass yeah, roles. Yeah. and i think there's a like there's a really nice um it's a really nice thing about there's a there's a really nice niche or or i suppose a, i suppose even a gap in the market you know you don't you don't see many films or tv shows where there's like you know really big masculine guys that have you know seem to have it all put together and then you know see them breaking down or see them like mm. in an emotional yeah, yeah. thing or comedy state there's there's something there that that you know there's not there there's there's a gap there so i think that's really uh that's really interesting um i, I want to ask where did um your nickname come from the beast was it so, obviously you know animal instinct yeah. within you but uh <laughs> so, you know, where, where, where did the where did the nickname come from I guess um, I went out to Australia to do the Arnold Classic yeah. and I pulled a world record deadlift in front of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he called me a beast. Was that the first time you met him as well? No. Okay. No, but the first time he sort of, you know, sort of watched me lift yeah. and, right, okay. and whatever. Um, and he called me a beast and, and the headlines all around the world wasn't Eddie Hall lifts world record deadlift, it was the beast. Nice. And so it's almost like, created for you. Yeah, I fucking loved it. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing that with two hands and I'm taking it. Yeah, it's fine. And yeah, I mean, it was the best thing I did. It's, because, a, it's such a fit. Like, it's, when I, it, it's, it's, it's almost like a household name. Yeah. You know, I walk down the street, it's like, oh, there's Eddie Orr. It's like, that's the beast. It is. Yeah. I hear yeah. it all that, the grandmas, kids. It's, it's, it's everything. Anyone. When, when I still look, it's, it's the way you've got the, um, the, the, the hairstyle, the beard, mm. the, the structure of your body, honestly. It's, it's, yeah. you, Very it, honestly, Ed, not to, the, you know, the beast. blow smoke, but I said to James, I said, mate, I think I've spoken to Eddie. I think he's going to come on and do the podcast. He's like, mate, Eddie is like a household. Like every, everyone knows, and you know, my stepdad loves it. My yeah. Ma- like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's household. It's it's yeah. it's a different, and, a different kettle of fish. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah, in the of terms course. of strongman, because becoming a household name is is such a hard thing to do. Um, of course, you got to think like you think a strongman. It's either Jeff Capes in this country. You get yeah. like a yeah. generation of like people in the mm. probably 40s, 50s, 60s that will know Jeff Capes in and out because. Back in the day when he was competing, you only had three channels. Mm-hmm. You know, BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three. So you either watch the extenders, some bollocks, or Strongman. Yeah. So everyone watched Strongman. <laughs> some bollocks, the BBC Two was the some bollocks, yeah. <laughs> it was always BBC Two bollocks. Pretty much. <laughs> um, and Strongman's took a massive dive after that. Strongman yeah. died a death. Yeah. And I, I believe that Strongman needed a boost. And, and when I started coming on the scene, I was well aware of that, that D- Strongman's down there. The first time I won England's Strongest Man, it was on a fucking pub car park. You know, oh, Strongman was on its arse. Yeah. Fast forward, well, we're 12 years on now from, from that first competition, winning England's Strongest Man. We're in arenas, you know, we're filling stadiums. And it was actually one of the, one of the uh, main Strongman, what would you call him? promoters who had a meeting with like the will strongest man board and you know all, all the strongman board really and it's like what's made strongman so big like we just can't get a head around it it's fucking great you know yeah and somebody put their hand up and was like, i'll tell you what made strongman fucking big eddie hall's documentary on netflix that's what made strongman big yeah. man. and that's when it clicked with me really it's like fucking hell you know what it's right because at the time when that released it's been watched well over 100 million times and when that released <laughs> It was like, that was all everyone talked about. I bumped into, I've seen your documentary. Even now, you're the guy that's Netflix. You know, it's 
you, you hear it all the it? time. That's and it's just that one turn of the table yeah. that sort of makes something big. A big character comes along and makes exactly. Conor McGregor make yeah. UFC yeah. massive. Anthony Joshua re, 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 you know, reinvigorated boxing. Yeah, like this, it, it is. It is literally only you know it's one character per sort of sport or per per, per area that just kind of ignites it. Yeah. And you know, you did it as well. It's, it's and like, I'm, I'm very proud. And when I hear that, when people say that, it does make me gleam. Like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. nice to hear. Very but that's why you don't, you know, that, that's because you're real, you've got personality, you've got character, and also you backed up what you did, which, you know, not many people. Like Conor McGregor, yeah. <laughs> Talk <laughs> shit, but back it up. <laughs> Sometimes you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's funny because uh, the confidence that he comes across. It, the, the great thing about Conor McGregor is even when he loses, he's like, I don't give a shit. Like, he's like yeah, I lost. I'm going to be by the best man. Yeah. But the shit I was talking about what, two days mate? ago. I think it, it's losing that, that shows a real man's character. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, that's why a lot of people don't like Floyd Mayweather. It's because he never fucking lost anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's hated because of that. Yeah. You know, you almost have to lose something now and again to... Yeah. to to be humbled, yeah. come back down to earth and realise that I have to sit down and take a shit like everybody else on this planet. Yeah. And that's the truth of it. You, you, well you're completely aware. right. If he lost and said, guys, I lost, everyone would love him even more. But yeah. I don't know. I think it's a likability thing. Like there's something about Eddie Hall that like my mum would know and there's, that you're, they'll see that you're real and you're likable. Even like if you look at Conor McGregor, he does sell this wild stuff. But a lot of time he says it with a smile and he'll joke and he'll yeah, brush yeah. stuff off and he'll take, you know, whereas Floyd Mayweather comes across as quite an unlikable character in my opinion anyway yeah. so oh, like, he's, on, he's on next week mate so do, do you that? <laughs> <laughs> he's coming but, to your house is that right Connor's got this sort of that's cancelled he shows a life that people like like he shows yeah. a lifestyle you know what does yeah, he yeah. sell the lifestyle that he shows a lifestyle that people want to live Mm. And, and uh, just positivity, I think. Yeah, it's weird. You've got it on your arm as well. Go back to the beast thing. You've got, you've got it in there, no? Yeah, yeah. So you've so got, right. have you got, have you got this? The beast is that the beast? That's fucking yeah. So that was that was tattooed <laughs> on, and, and again, that was tattooed on in 2015. Right, a couple of months after Arnold Schwarzenegger right. nicknamed me the beast, and again, I've just realised how much I stink. <laughs> and again, you know, I tattooed Where's the Eddie on. Hall uh, perfume? Are you, you going to whip it? Are we going to whip into a commercial? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I've got. <laughs> yeah. Try the new Eddie Hall. Uh, it's called it's the Beast. Uh, like Never smell like a beast again. <laughs> I love um, that. I've got to as an idea, though. Want... Yeah, but when I tattooed that on, I thought, right, I'm going to create a brand new. Yeah. And, and you want, I, I heard it all behind my back. Oh, fucking what a dickhead having that tattooed on him. Fucking <gasps> yeah. up himself. What an idiot. What yeah. a tit. Fast forward three or four years later, those same people are trying to brand themselves in the same way. Yeah. 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 And it's like, who's fucking laughing now, you yeah. cunt? <laughs> uh, Eddie, are, are you That's a, so good. That's so true. Are you a superstitious man? Do you, did you have like rituals before you went, oh, went Jay, into don't an go event? All, don't go all weird and like no, 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 gay. No, no, yeah, no, no, I really want to know. Like, because... For someone of your stature and, and your success, it's almost like, how the fuck do you channel your mind to then go, right, I've got to switch it on to beast mode? Mm. Or switch it off to family mode, like switch it off to like calm family mode. Well, well the question is, you, you know, do you have a ritual that you do before an event or are you a superstitious man? Are you a Virgo? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm superstitious. But I always, I always say that the stars are aligned. You know, what's meant to be is meant to be. Yeah. yeah. And you're just, if you're one of these people that something bad happens to you, you know, you lose someone or you lose something or you go bankrupt or whatever, 
I'm, I'm not one of those people that will just sit there and just fucking cry and dwell and think everyone's, you know, he, it's because he ripped me off or whatever. I'm a very like, right, that's happened, let's move on. It's like you've got to have that mindset of everything happens for a reason. And having that mindset makes you live your life so much easier. Mm-hmm. You just move on from things yeah, and just, just carry acceptance. on. Acceptance is very important. So I guess I'm a big believer in stars are aligned. You know, so if a plane was to come through there and crash now and kill us all, so fucking be it. You know, right, it's right. life's life's life. Yeah, yeah Sam Harris, he says, um, there's, we don't have any free will. So if I say to you, there's a chocolate ice cream and a strawberry ice cream, which one would you go for? Mm-hmm. Which one would you go for? Chocolate. Yeah. You're always going to go for chocolate. Yeah. In this room with us three, it would, you always go, so there's no decision. The decisions have all been made already. Yeah. So you, yeah, you, can't, you can only work your hardest and you can't plan exactly what's going to happen. I definitely think, yeah, I definitely think like I'm learning more about like energy and, and different things that like connect. And like you said, making the decision that, okay, well, if something bad happens, you, you can choose to, you can choose to go down that hole and, and, you know, fuel the bad, or you can choose to go, okay, that's happened. Now I've got to, you know, I've got to move on or I've got to improve it. I've got to change it. Um, there you go. End up being a quite a good question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> not bad, Jay. Not bad, not bad, not bad. Uh, and how What's... often are you doing your like blood work? To like um, to know what you're deficient in and what you need to take and vitamin wise. I'd say every every quarter, right? Every quarter we do bloods and it's you know you can you can everything electrolyte levels, yeah. iron levels. How's what? your how's your iron with all the protein you eat? Is it really high your iron levels? No, I'm I'm pretty pretty healthy all around okay. now. Yeah, when I was when I was 32 stone, 430 pounds, um, everything was just through the roof. Hemoglobins, iron, yeah. liver markers, kidney markers, everything was on the fucking brink. Yeah. That's why you can't do that forever. Exactly. And do you recommend doing that? Because he he does it, and I I want to get into it a bit. But the general like blood work to check everything is that a good thing to kind of? hundred percent. Yeah, I I work with a company called the Blood Lab. Okay. And yeah, doing your blood markers is, is essential. They actually did it with my wife and they found her iron levels were through the roof. Wow. So she had to, no, sorry, super low. And she was feeling lethargic, tired, so didn't put iron in. Fucking, what a different person. Yeah. Wow. So just looking at your blood, just every quarter, you know, every three months, it's worth doing because you never know what the fuck is going on. And what on. is it? Yeah. Is it literally yeah. just a blood, a, blood, a blood test? Yeah, draw blood and then just send oh, off. Real just, and again, I, I, I've, I've heard of people having it and then, uh, a pal of mine does does the prolapse uh, markers, and he's he's done people and found out they've had cancer from, yeah. and, he, and he's sent them to the doctors to get yeah. treated for cancers. You shouldn't just take normal vitamins unless you know you're deficient in it. Like your vitamin D might be two hundred, really high, right. and you might not need it. So you want to check what you low in, what, what you need before yeah. just taking vitamins. Yeah. And vitamins need to be paired with like you know. Oh man, I think I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, honestly, I'm starving. So you must be on another level. We're gonna eat some food. Have you got some Ed, you've got to. Um, you better, mate. You better. Oh, yeah. That doesn't look enough to feed Eddie Hall. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. That's just we got. Um, we got. Okay. We got a punch bag behind us head as well that you want to. I want to see if you can break because I know you've already right, broken okay. one. <laughs> oh yeah, um, you broke a machine, yeah. didn't you? One just packed up and went home. <laughs> but honestly, man, Eddie Hall, thank you so much. Like you, you seem such a lovely guy and thank you're you. so full of heart and you're the beast, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, great. Just before we finish, can, Eddie, can I? I know not to be a performing monkey, but can I just feel a little armrest? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Feel the strength. Man. He thinks he's strong, man. He, he thinks he's strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the technique, arm wrestling's all technique. Yeah. You might win. Uh, go. Whenever you win. <laughs> she said go. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
You can just feel just a second. It's just uh, it's like a piece of iron. <laughs> 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 <laughs>